Hello and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole. And as you know, Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination, your place to come for interviews with the finalists and winners of our annual prizes. In this episode, you'll hear my interview with Joseph Dandran, author of Shalom, the Doctor. This beautiful book of poetry was a finalist for the 2020 Dorothy Livesay Poetry Prize. Joseph Dandrand is a member of the Kwantlen First Nation, and he lives there with his three children. He is also the director of the Kwantlen Cultural Center and a prolific author, playwright, teacher, and storyteller. In Shalom the Doctor, he weaves together beautiful images of wild spaces and how they battle against urban settings. He plays with shifting points of view, and the rhythm of his writing, which you'll hear in his reading, draws you into each line. The Toronto Star described the poems in Shalom the Doctor as powerful parables of suffering, redemption, and retribution. Joseph starts our conversation with a reading from his book. Uh, Shalam, the doctor. It's called The Shine Brings You Home. I've changed and find myself on a highway wedded with the tears of our loss. I am here to meet the man who has taken all the women and has put them on the side of the road in a puddle by a tree in a ditch or slowly floating to the bottom of a creek. I get a ride and I remember the truck in every detail and the smells of the dead encircle this man as he smokes and opens his window. He never looks at me. I do not see fear or sorrow from this man and he is not from here, so he says, and he tells me of his family, his children and the cost of gasoline. I look at him as he appears to be on fire and the heat of him begins to burn my fingers as I reach out and touch him. And all he sees and has seen evaporates into a hot mist and falls out the window as he blows smoke from his cigarette out into the world he has forsaken. And when I get out of the truck, he waves a tattooed arm at me as the medicine I have given him begins to carry into his blood. And all the women circle around him and they cry and they scream and it is the screams that envelop him and he accepts the disease I have given him by the touch of my hand. I have erased him as the women cry and scream and this opens up the sky as the shine brings you home. It's from an un- unpublished manuscript. It's, yeah, it's called, I would like to say thank you. I would like to say thank you to the nuns and the priest who abused me when I was six. Thank you for doing that to me. And if you'd like to see how I am, just look out your window as I pass by because I know where you live, old man. And to the sisters, I would would like to thank you for toughening me up later in life it was needed. And I shook off all comers and I took the pain you gave me when you stepped on my six-year-old brown hand and told me to be still and that God was watching me. And when I finally confronted that old man, I slapped him across the face and in his eyes, I could see the lust he had for me those decades before. And now he weeps as the pain in his face changes and I walk away still that little brown boy in need of comfort. And I know that I am who I am and 
to you abusers, you cannot have me. You cannot destroy me. I can do that all by myself, thank you. To the men who used me when I was nine or 10, thank you for scarring me and giving me nightmares as they still haunt me here at 56 in my little office where I punch out poems to soothe the soul, where I can relive the torture of being touched by men. Thank you and I will visit you one day and go up to you, slap you, kick you, bite you, end you. The music changes and I have some new kick-ass headphones and I can hear all the greats and remember times when I was 15 and drinking and doing LSD and tripping in a bar and watching a Pink Floyd cover band and they were awesome and the bar was lit with very cool lights and I was tripping. And when it was over, the house lights came on and it was then that I realized that <clears throat> the rest of the bar that night was full of fully patched outlaw bikers and there I was 15 and long hair and brown skinned and tripping but they let me float on out of there and into the streets and me and my friends who were also tripping, we floated home and as I am here now, I put on some blues and write some poems about this or that. I wanted to say thank you to all the girls I knew when I was 14 and we all hung out on the weekends and we did our best to be as drunk as we could and there were such gentle moments. I remember being with a girl and we made love and giggled as those around us were so wasted and they puked and they pissed themselves and we still conquered our teenage years with the best of them. And even today, I remember each girl's name and I remember how we made love and how we drank until early morning. And I just wanna thank them for loving me when I was 14 and so skinny and brown and long haired and not even sure I liked myself back then. And I am sure I do not like me now. The edges are creepy. The heads are, the hair is gone. The eyes are crooked. So is the nose. I weep myself to write a poem for all you girls, even though I know I have been forgotten. Thank you. <laughs> so they do a poetry sounds. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been at a poetry slam now. No way, eh? yeah. <laughs> and I still I teach kids to when I teach them to snap. Yeah. On their Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wonderful to hear you read those poems because I read I read Shalom and okay. uh it's such a it's such a it's always a different experience to read the words on the page and then to hear them read aloud. Mm -hmm. And for you as a, a, a poet, um, how do those two fit together for you? Are you thinking of how the poems will be as they're read aloud as you're writing them or how does that happen I, for you? I, I, I actually write like I would read them and I get in trouble with I got in trouble with publishers now because I use the word and quite a bit. But for me, it's it's a breath as I'm, you know, as I'm reading, as I'm moving into the next um, moment. And um, yeah, and, and then a lot of my poems kind of end very shortly, like with one words kind of thing. And it, yeah, it kind of adds to the, allowing me to end the piece and to move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because I noticed how you used and, and I noticed mm. as I was reading it too, that you don't use a lot of um, punctuation. There's no. a few periods, but they're kind of speckled through there. Yeah. But um, the and seems like your replacement almost for, for punctuation. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I remember because um, <clears throat> I, I dropped out of school in grade nine and I didn't pay attention to grammar. And then I, uh, when I was 26, I went to college and, uh, and then university and I had no idea how to write. So I took grammar courses. But when I first started writing, um, I would use commas everywhere. <laughs> you know, even at the ends of sentences, and hey, that looks good. And then, oh yeah, what's that thing? That's a semicolon. I have no idea what it is, but it looks really good. And, but um, how I taught myself to write properly, hopefully, uh, punctually, was uh, to read a lot and to see how other writers use punctuation properly. Yeah. Yeah. But then, when it comes to po to poetry, like some poets, they just mm. forget all the. Yeah. the punctuation and capitalization was there a freedom in that for you yeah. when you started right yeah yeah i wrote a lot lowercase like a lot of up to books just up to a couple of years ago were all lowercase and um no punctuation no commas just um, long sentences i guess the period okay. at the end to move me into the next stanza and yeah uh, now i'm writing more poetry that is almost like because I, I started writing short stories a few years ago. And so my poems are almost becoming miniature short stories, like each stanza. Yeah. 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 You write you write in so many different forms, like you've done children's mm -hmm. books, you do plays, poetry, you just mentioned short stories. Yeah. How do you decide what form is best suited for the story you want to tell? Um, I think I've, I work in projects. So like uh, I just finished a new manuscript of short stories. And then in my head, I had this play I was going to write. It was going to be this um, uh, Indian kind of heart of darkness kind of thing because um, I live right on the river and I had this idea of a, a Kwantlen man in a canoe having to go up river to take care of another brother who was troubled. And um, and then when I finished the manuscript of the short stories, I was like, oh, no, this is a screenplay. I'm going to write a screenplay. And then I, I sat there and I went, I'm not a screenwriter. <laughs> so it kind of got stalled and then I was like oh I'll just I'll start writing I'll write an unmanuscript of poetry so I just I jumped in I'm about 15 pages into a new book of poetry now and um yeah I don't really I don't get writer's block I just stop when I know there's it's not there yet and then yeah it bugs me to the point where yeah I'll just start in and um I'm just trying to write freely and not be condensed with any sort of form or anything like that yeah yeah. How did you find your way to poetry? What drew you in with that form in particular? Um, I, w I was studying to be a, a famous stage actor. <laughs> I was studying <laughs> theater at Ottawa U, but I wasn't devoted to the craft, but I had been writing. And then um, when I graduated university, I, I realized that my plays and my poems were, they were opening little doors for me because I got an internship uh, when I got out of school at the Museum of Civilization. I was a playwright for their, um, they have an in-house theater company that did interpretive programming at the museum. And I was hired to write for them for nine months and then uh, was a writer in residence at Native Earth in Toronto after that. And um, yeah, in poetry, I just, I was hanging out with this crowd. It was just after Oka. So just after the nineties era and we're all hanging out at this this converted church that was turned into into a cafe that was run by um, white witches. They loved Indians, and we'd all hang out there and uh, drink coffee. And they made the one most wonderful fresh pies. And uh, I would get up and read poems, and other friends would get up and sing the blues. And so I just started writing from then. And then that's when I decided that um, 
I would start a project. So my first project that I ever did was a, a chapbook um, with about 20 poems in it or whatever. And I self printed it and published it and, and then printed up like 500 copies. And then I'd, I'd give those out at readings and that kind of thing. And then when that was done, I was like in my head working on the next chapbook. And that's kind of how I worked throughout all these years is just one project into the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked to some folks who are storytellers first and then kind of become writers after and they and they've kind of struggled with the like permanence of putting words on the page. Mm. How do you feel about that? Do you, do you see a piece as being done once mm -hmm. you've printed it or are you always kind of reworking it in your mind? Yeah, I, I never rework any of my stuff. And I think that's why my plays are so hard to get produced. Because there is this whole world of uh, uh, dramaturgy, and it's almost like when I when I do those workshops, it's just like somebody else is writing their version of my play kind of thing. And uh, poems are I write and they're done that day, and I may go back and you know, you know pick out misspelled or words that aren't supposed to be the word there kind of thing. But uh, pretty much my poetry are uh, one time. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if that's confidence or I just I just feel that I've said what I needed to say and it's there. Um, as far as beginning, being a storyteller, I never I considered myself I'm a poet, I'm a playwright, and then I I was given the opportunity to be um, storyteller in residence at the Vancouver Public Library two years ago. <clears throat> and my first day, I was um, given my pass with my picture on it, my my name, and then my title was. Um, uh, FN storyteller and I was like oh yeah that's what I am I'm an FN storyteller and they were like oh my god no we got to change it I was like no no I love it I'm an FN storyteller and then from that day on my calendar's book solid as a storyteller yeah. I'm in like three different schools and you know I'm doing all these wonderful things as a storyteller and then and then part of that process of that residency was half your time is spent on a writing project and I realized I had nothing for kids. So I wrote a manuscript of short stories and short plays for kids. And yeah, so I write a lot more for children now. Yeah. yeah. Which I love, I love doing, I love uh, teaching children and. Yeah. yeah. I, I wondered if you could, um, if you could talk about what Shalom means and specifically uh, what it means in your book. And if I'm not saying it correctly, please. No, it's please fine. Yeah. Me. <laughs> Whenever you say something, like just say it really fast, and it sounds yeah. <laughs> like good. That's what I do, anyways, because I, I I only know swear words in my language. My <clears throat> my our, um, what's interesting about Kwanlin, our people is that uh, we used to number in the thousands, but um, in the late 1800s, we were 80 percent of all the Indians on the Fraser River were wiped out by a smallpox epidemic. Yeah, so we're kind of leery right now. <laughs> Or we have a we have a gate. We've been shut down since day one, um, but uh, all our oral, oral tradition was lost in that. And my mom was five when she was put on a train in town here and sent to residential school, so she lost all her language in that. And so I've, <clears throat> I've I'm lucky enough to have friends that live just upriver from me. And when they were young boys, they had elders that would tell them stories and. That's kind of where I, I pick out some characters that they talk about. Like I use um, uh, Sasquatches a lot in my children's stories and stuff like that. But Shalam, I heard, were um, our, our English word for them. We used to call them doctors, um, but they're also known as healers. And Shalam almost sounds like sh shaman kind of thing. So medicine men kind of thing. And 
So I had this idea of a Shalam that <clears throat> he had the power, um, he could transform himself, he could, he had the power to give life and to help people and save people. But he also had the the gift of of taking lives. And I thought about the kind of characters he would run into that he would take care of. And uh, in the book, I touch upon a, a pig farmer uh, who we all know, uh, Willie Picton. And, um, and then I have this idea that there has to be more than one serial serial killer on highway 16 like and I, so i imagine the truck driver you know um and then that poem i read today was about a, the shalam meeting up with one of those truck drivers and realizing who he was and and then he just touches him and takes his life um so i had that idea but also um i've been working a lot downtown east side and you know i just get out of my car and there's a young uh, native guy jamming a needle in his neck and you know I'd walk 10 more feet and there's a young girl looking between her toes with a needle and so I had the idea of the shalam also being a heroin addict uh, and that's kind of what 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 drove me to write that book and I didn't want to finish it I was like oh, I want to keep going but um, it was when I started my residency at the, of Vancouver Public Library so I just ended it and, yeah it's yeah. one of my one of my favorite books to write yeah Seems like a character you could revisit in other projects too. Yeah, I do quite a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah you mentioned the the Sasquatch just now, and I wonder the Sasquatch comes up as well in in Shalam uh, in a few mm -hmm. spots. Yeah, uh, and I wondered if you could talk about the Sasquatch and what's so interesting about that character mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. I have my um, my children's book published by Nightwood, the Sasquatch, the Fire, and the Cedar Baskets. Um, <clears throat> kind of a story about the Sasquatch and he fi finally finds uh, a mate and they have a young daughter and the mother Sasquatch makes these beautiful cedar baskets that can hold rainwater and they leave one by a, a cedar tree and pretty soon there are thousands of them there uh, holding rainwater and then soon a forest fire comes and the man Sasquatch fights the fire with the cedar baskets and when I read this to some kids it was one kid that gave me the best um critique ever he said he loved it because it had both sasquatches and firefighters i was like oh right on. <laughs> yeah um but yeah i just i i i love and throughout my writing i used animal characters early on i used coyotes and ravens and uh just kind of giving them it was so easily to give them uh, humanistic you know aspects to their characters and that and and the sasquatch too is such a such an unknown figure that it's easy to give them um i almost compare them to because they're always in my stories they're always uh fishing beside all you know when you see all the great bears fishing in the streams catching fish with their mouths and, and i always picture the sasquatch being right there and the bears kind of accepting him as a just a really big hairy bear yeah <laughs> but yeah but uh yeah sasquatches are uh, i like them they're, they say you'll smell them before you see them so I could imagine that. <laughs> yeah, and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be good luck if you see them. Like, yeah. 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 Have you ever seen one? No. 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 <laughs> no. Um not yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting in how you were just talking about the animals and how you use the animals in Shalom mm -hmm. because I noticed this kind of um I don't know, this play between like the land and wild spaces, but also the urban areas, mm -hmm. because of course the 
before it was Vancouver and it was these wild spaces where all those beautiful animals would have uh, lived and flourished. And I wondered about those two themes for you in the book about the wild spaces and the land and the urban areas. Yeah, I, I, um, it's a, it, we, we say that we live in two worlds. Like we have our, like I live on this island, which is our main village and we've been here for over 10,000 years. And um, then I'll get in my car and I'll go across a little bridge and then I'm in a totally different world, you know, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've lived in cities, uh, you know, uh, but I've been home here for 30 years now on my, on my island, on our reserve. And um, it's easy to, as a writer, to be able to cross over and imagine, um, you know, animals uh, in the city and people just kind of acknowledging them as who they are kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's it's quite scary. Times. Like we teach our children that each of us has a gift. And I have friends that they can hear songs like that are floating out in the air and all of a sudden they'll start singing this song. And, um, and then I like to believe that, that the gift I was given was all these stories that come to me that I have no idea where they come from, you know, like, why am I writing about a Sasquatch that, you know, uh, does can do things and all that kind of stuff. And, but rather than question it, I just allow it to happen. And uh, I'm grateful that I can do that. But um, sometimes it's terrifying because it's just me in my room. And then all of a sudden I have to like, Oh yeah, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So I'm gifted, but yeah, terrified. Yeah. <laughs> and just want to share with everybody, you know, like, want to, you know, like, because everything, like I said, was lost, right? So what I write, hopefully in a thousand years from now will be, oh, yeah, look at that. There's a story about Sasquatch. Yeah. Quantlin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a bit about that process because writing is such a for a long time it's such a kind of personal and and private act, but then it becomes this really shared experience because you get to put it out in the community and do readings. Mm -hmm. um, what is that like for you? Um, I, I like it. Um, what I like about now Zoom uh, when I do readings is people can't throw anything at me, <laughs> so I can just you know wave to them and. Uh, yeah, just the other day I was in, I was in Oklahoma, you know, via Zoom reading at uh, Oklahoma State and I read with um, uh, George Elliott Clark. Have you heard oh, of him? Wow. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll let him go first because, you know, he's, I shouldn't have let him go first because he just blew me right out of the water. He was just so, he read so well and we've actually become really good friends and um uh, but yeah, no, I, I love to read. I love sharing. And um, sometimes uh, doing live readings is, yeah, I, I find them a little yeah, iffy sometimes. Yeah. But um, I make it out okay. I mean, you know, um, but yeah, I love reading. I love, yeah, yeah I love sharing. And uh, I like those moments like, um, uh, like that last poem I read for you and I, I read it just the silence afterwards, you kind of know, like as a poet, you know, you got them. Yeah. Yeah. They're listening to it. Yeah. I was like, all oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. 
what's it like to share? You mentioned you work with kids. What's it like mm -hmm. to to share your work with kids and to have that experience? Yeah, I do that. I'm actually um, for the past uh, six weeks. So I have two more weeks with this other group. Um, so the first three weeks was with one school, and the first class I I I read to kindergartens and I, I read them my short stories and then. I also play guessing games with them and I make them guess um, a word from my language and then I'll read them a short story. And then uh, the next few classes of the same day are with older kids and I'll read them a short story and then uh, I'll ask them to write something for me and then they share it at the end. And then I do that for the next couple of classes. So right now I'm, my, I'm into my second week of the second school that I'm doing. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. It's great. The kids are, you know, they're they're happy to be doing something. I think other than yeah, and I also uh, with one class they're doing. Um, I wrote these series of short short plays for kids. Uh, one of them is again Sasquatch uh, gets a new pair of shoes because he's never had shoes before, and these other animals. Oh, we found these really nice Air Jordans, and they give them to him. And at the end of the play, the Sasquatch is crying, and they're like, "Why are you crying, Sasquatch?" And he says. Well, I don't know how to tie my shoes. So they teach him how to tie his shoes and that's teaching young kids how to tie their shoes. Yeah. And, and it's amazing to watch because it's it's usually over a three week period. And so I, I see them three times. And by the third time they'll do a presentation of, of the play. And to see them, they make little props and masks and stuff for their plays. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah, I enjoy that. I, I love yeah. theater. Thanks so much to Joseph for being on the podcast. And thanks as always to you, our listeners, for subscribing and listening and sharing these episodes. If you want to hear more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, don't forget to visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. And of course, if you are on the social medias, you should find us on the social medias. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Rachel Wada, who illustrated the phone booth in Mr. Hirota's garden, which was a finalist for the Christy Harris Illustrated Children's Literature Prize. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.